Good morning, everyone. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Matty Taos. I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station. And you get to be here as part of an ongoing conversation we're having this summer about the Bible. Uh, this teaching series over the summer called The Bible, I named it that because I'm very creative, is going to be this 10-week run in which what we seek to do is look at maybe some of the biggest features of the Bible and try and wrap our heads around them. Because there's a lot in the Bible that we believe is trying to tell you about you. Things that you need to know about you so that, quite frankly, you don't miss out on the reason that you exist. So last week we jumped into the conversation starting at the beginning at creation, a place where we hear God's account of how he did what he did to get life moving. And really the conversation was not just what he did, but if he did do what he says he did, what that means about you and I. If you missed that conversation, you can go to epiphanystation.com and forward slash watch and you can kind of catch up with us. We kind of wrapped up the, the conversation by making these three observations about creation. That it tells us that we were created on purpose, that we were made to be loved and made to love. And we're going to go from that very loving place and today we're going to drive straight into a conversation about the existence of evil. Today, all we're going to seek to accomplish is understanding why evil exists. Because as we talk about evil and its existence, especially its existence in parallel to God's existence, we can get confused as to how these two things play out. And I think by having a conversation about it, we can understand more of what God is trying to tell us about how we interact with evil, what it does to relationships and our relationship with Him. We have a lot of questions about evil. Is evil a mistake? Is it just something that kind of happened out of God's control? And if it didn't, then what on earth did he think that he was doing? Everyone comes to church wanting to have conversations about evil, so congratulations on coming on the right Sunday. So let's start with the first question about evil. Was it a mistake? Was evil a mistake? Was it something out of God's control? Like, because you, you read the creation story and it's like, okay, everything seems perfect. In fact, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect and, you know, the first man and woman and the first marriage and the first relationship. And somewhere along the line, it all got ruined because Adam turned to Eve and said, where do you want to eat? And if we learn anything... That question can bring down any marriage. In fact, it can bring down creation itself, apparently. Don't ask it. But what we see is a decision is made, early doors, early days in mankind's existence, in which evil, I think, not starts, but is revealed. Because really, here's what God was about. He was about creating something new. And he says in Genesis 1.26, come on, let's make human beings, let's make them to be like us, let's make them in our image. And then he accomplishes that. He creates man and woman, he puts them together, and he gives them something that nothing else in creation has. Choice. He gives them the ability to choose love. To choose to love him, to choose to love one another, to choose which would therefore be the greatest expression of love. Not forced upon them, but choice. But the problem with choices is that there's choices, and given the choice to love God, you must have the choice not to. And therefore, right at the beginning, the moment that God created anything good, evil was created. Because the choice was given to not follow good. 
The great temptation for mankind was to understand good and evil. It's, it's what happened at the moment in which it was, shall we or shall we not do what God tells us to? Well, the personification of evil and not doing good said, you know what? If you do what I say, you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. In chapter 3, verse 5, you will know the difference between good and evil. And that was attractive enough. We wanted that. We desired that. And then God looked upon his creation and said, look, seemingly unsurprised, undaunted, look. The human beings have become like us, knowing both good and evil. It's almost as if evil was always there, it existed, and in that moment it was revealed. It was revealed by the first choice to go against what God had called us to do. And that is very much the problem, isn't it? Choice. The choice to do or not to do. And I think so much that evil was always going to be part of creation and part of what was going to happen, that God doesn't seem to overreact to that issue. He doesn't seem to be knocked back by it, but instead simply lays out his, his plan. Simply lays out what he was always planning to do. Here's what's next. And what's next was not for him to smite everyone from the face of the earth. Instead, it was a plan. A plan that would lead you and I to this very unique and beautiful place where we get to choose whether we will do what he made us to do. Whether we would choose to love him voluntarily more than anything else. Our core text for this teaching series, the thing we're really trying to understand, kind of just beyond the surface level, is John 3, 16 through 17. And we find in there the fact that God decided in that moment where evil was going to be a thing that we knew about, that we could choose, that he wasn't going to judge us for it, but he was going to put in a plan to save us from it. John 3, 16 goes a little bit something like this. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So was the fact that we knew about evil a mistake? I don't think so. It's just my opinion. You don't have to take it as gospel. But I think we were always going to know about evil because we needed a choice. We needed to be able to make the choice to not follow God. And here's the thing about the existence of evil, maybe the hardest thing to wrap our heads around. And I think some of the places where we bring a lot of our questions about the very existence of God, if evil is a thing, is where does it come from? Was it like something God cooked up in the back room and was like, this is really going to screw him over? Or was it something that was just there? We know that God did not create us to be evil. If we take his account for it, his account for it is we're created to be like him, which means we were created for good. But he also gave us this beautiful thing called choice. Choose God or don't choose God. And if what God created was good and everything God has created is good, well, then that means we must have the opportunity to choose what is not God and therefore to choose what is not good. And along comes into the conversation just the awkwardness of what evil is. A lot of times we personify evil. We say it has a plan. We say that it's actually its thing and it has a power and it has a force. But evil's not its own thing. It, it doesn't exist in of itself. It, it shares traits with things like cold and dark. Cold isn't a thing. It's the absence of warmth. And you can't create darkness. It's the absence of light. And it's the same with evil. Evil is simply the absence of good. So in that moment where God created good, 
and he created you and he created I and everything that was going to be good, in essence, evil had to be there when he gave us choice. To be able to, and say, therefore, every day of your life, evil is now an offer to you. Evil is an offer to you. You can choose it because the offer is not to follow God. And that is a responsibility and a trust that God has placed in you like nothing else in creation. A trust that you would actually want what is good. That you would see it, be drawn to it, attracted to it because it is good and it's beautiful and it's lovely and it's pure. That you would want to choose good. And so day to day we choose. Some days we do choose, other days that we don't. But our choices for evil are very rarely a choice like, I can't wait to be evil today. Our choices to be evil are not choices to be evil at all. They are simply choices not to be good. They are choices to remove good, to drive it out, to bring about an absence of it. And this, this great fight, this quandary, this thing that you will fight against your entire life, that good is a thing and evil is a thing and you get to choose, that's the greatest thing that you can know about you. That that is your existence, that that is your life, that that's the choice that God put in your hands to do with whatever you please. And I believe that is simply what the Bible tries to tell you from start to finish. What God is trying to communicate is that there is good and that there is evil and there are consequences for both. And he seeks to highlight through stories, through narratives, through rules, through anything he can possibly highlight what it means for us to choose one or the other. Because here's the amazing thing about you and me. We have these pretty impressive beliefs that we're really smart. Like they're pretty rock solid beliefs that we would do a better job of doing life than God would. And therefore we choose to do things, we entertain, we flirt with, not God, not good, but this is a little bit evil. And then we get confused as to why it's in our life. But there are things that you could point to in your life that are proof that you have chosen or others have chosen to drive out a little bit of good. There are bits of you that you wish weren't bits of you. That's this. There are words that have come out of your mouth you wish did not come out of your mouth. That's, that's this. Probably the biggest mistakes and the biggest regrets you have in your entire life is probably this. And that's been the situation forever. Like, what are we talking about here? Week two? Month two? I don't know. The very beginning, the situation of mankind has been two. Two options. Two ways of doing life. One is good and one is evil. One is with God and one is without. And therefore, God tries to communicate in its entirety how to do that. Just so you'll know. Just so that you can understand and make an informed decision. Like you get to still do you, but there is a better one and a worse one. One of, I think, the maybe the most misunderstood ways that God did this is to try to communicate and define, like literally write down in words, what is good and what is evil. Because he created something with one of his first communities of people, one of the first people he called to himself and said, do you want me to be your God? And I want to be your God. Do you want me to be your God? And they said, yes. And he said, okay, here's the description of good and a description of evil. Here's who I want you to be. And he created what we've come to know as his law. 
His law is something that we find in the old part of the Bible, the Old Testament, and it's something I think that we ignore a lot because it's kind of confusing and scary. But it's there, and it's full of commandments, regulations, and prescriptions. And there it sits, and there we usually let it sit. But it sits there to distinguish, to make it distinct, the difference between what God considers good and what he considers evil, so we can choose, so we can know where we are. Maybe some of the most famous of this law is like the Ten Commandments. Maybe heard about those ones? They're big and they're ten, which is a nice round number, and it makes it easy for them to put them on like five plaques, two plaques, five each side. If you look at them, like all ten, sometimes we can not see what God was trying to do, and what he was trying to do was help us understand. Don't do these things because they're, they're evil. Do, them, do what I say because it's good, and it'll go well with you. So let's look at them. Like, I think five through ten, those are some of the easy ones for us to understand and get. Like, number ten, don't live with jealousy in your life. Don't covet. Don't want what other people have. That'll, that'll drive a pretty good wedge there. Um, what's the next one? Next one is don't lie. Pretty solid. Uh, don't steal stuff from people. Um, that's a pretty good one. Uh, don't kill somebody just because you kind of want to. Um, don't have sex with someone that's not your spouse. And uh, you should probably pay honor to someone who plays the pivotal role of parent in your life. Like, those are like the back six. And most of us could be like, yeah, I could see where potentially most of those, if we did do them, would drive out good from a relationship. They would, especially the murder one. Tough to have a good relationship after that one. But I can see how doing most of those would not be good for me, for them. That makes sense. And God gave you relationships to enjoy, so therefore he says he's how to enjoy them in, in goodness. The first four, the first four commandments are commandments trying to chisel into you an understanding that every good thing is in God. Every good thing you've ever tasted, everything good you've ever touched was actually created by God for a purpose and a reason. And therefore he gives the first four to say anything other than God will lead you away from what is good. Number four is to have a Sabbath, which is I want you once a week to denote a chunk of your time that is devoted to mine, your relationship, and nothing else. Number three, don't use my name like it's a piece of trash, like anything else in creation. Number two, don't make something and then like, worship that thing like it's better than me. And number one, don't have another God. And in those simple Ten Commandments, we start to see how God draws a line in the sand. He says, here's your choice. In my commandments and in my law, I'm trying to show you what is good because what is good is me. So follow me. And what is not good is evil. And you get to see that now. The law was there so we could see evil. Not just so that we can feel good about ourselves by fulfilling it, but then we could see also when we tread over that line that in fact that is not good. It's not hazy. God has defined so that we would understand by his word what is good and what is evil. Because I think what he's tried to do since the beginning is differentiate himself. He's not evil. He'll have nothing to do with it. And he, in fact, created you to be the same. He differentiated you from the beginning, that you were born to be good. And that evil will always be a threat to that. You were born to be like him, to love good, to conquer evil, to do the things that he does. And that is the reality that you exist in, whether you want it to be or not. Evil exists. And it exists in your choices and the choices of other people. It exists because we become so enamored by the mirage 
of happiness. That we would pursue all kind of perverse pleasure. That we would go after fake joy. We would do it because we're sure that we know how to do it better than God. And because of those choices by you or others, these are the things that plague us. These are the things that plague your life, your relationships. It's what plagues your money. It's what plagues your parenting. It's what plagues your happiness, your joy, and your peace. Is that everything over here is stuff that we flirt with constantly. But that, the ability that it affects your life, is not even the worst of the worst. The worst thing and the thing that the Bible is really trying to communicate, give you a heads up about, is it's not just about now. It's just not about your 10, 50, 20, 80 years. It's what comes next. And when there is good and evil, there is a potential for evil to take you into the worst eternity imaginable. And for good to take you into the very best. So the Bible seeks to give you a heads up about that. That your life is not just your life now. That you have an eternal part of you. And that God has a plan to save you from evil. I see I'm pointing over here like that's you guys. That's not you guys. <laughs> good. Everyone's going to decide where they sit based on that next week. This is where we get John 3, 16 and 17 from. Kind of one of the definitive scriptures of all of the Bible is this is God's plan. He saw a moment in history where something was necessary to be done to make sure that this eternal separation between you and him was not eternal. That when you, even when you choose evil, he would give you a way to come back. So he paid a debt that was accrued. Because our choice to walk away from God and to walk towards evil, that means you die. And it means you die because God is life. So therefore, every time that you walk in towards evil, it should kill you. But God made a decision not, for there not to be a need for you to pay that. That he would pay it. Because he did not come to judge you for the evil you flirt with. The evil you entertain. He came to save you from it. The moment you first drew breath, he saw your whole life play out. And he knew you had but two options. When he created you, he saw that you could choose. So he actually created a law so that you could distinguish good from evil. And then he created a way that when you do go over here, you could choose to go back. You could still choose good. You know what? Forever done. Forever tarnished. And then he simply says, choose. Choose. Most people never choose. Most people fence it, thinking that's not a choice. But he says, choose. Choose what you want for you. Do you want what God has said is good for you? Or, or do you not? Do, do you want that in your home and in your marriage and in your kids? Or do you not? Because you still get to choose. And the Bible and God and Jesus seem to think that the most important thing will be how you choose in the question of good or evil. That there's something more important going on than just being good. We're not good so we can feel good. We don't want to be good so we can build a good country or a good society. It's not about having a good business, good school, good church, good family. It's not so you can feel good about being good. It's so that piece of you that God implanted into you that will go on forever ends up somewhere good. It is the vision God has had of living with you perfectly forever that is good. This vision that he sees 14,238 people that populate Pennington County, he says, I want them to be where it's good. And how you think about evil and the effect it can have on you will decide for you how serious you need to make this choice. 
How seriously you need to entertain a relationship with God. How seriously you need to think about the souls of other human beings. How serious you are about loving God and loving people. Every week we have at Epiphany Station what we call a next step. It's supposed to be practical. It's supposed to be challenging. A way that it moves you towards what is good. What God wants for your life. This week is very simple. It is to choose to turn from evil. It is to turn from evil. It's how Jesus defined his ministry. And I want you this week to develop a habit of asking yourself that question. Do I want to turn from what God says is evil? Do I want what God says is good? To do that, I want you to develop a habit of reading what we've been reading. I want you to read your Bible. <laughs> I want you to read Genesis 1, right at the beginning. God's creation account. I want you to read Exodus 20, where we find the, the Ten Commandments. I want you to read John 3, 16 and 17. And I want you to see what God is trying to tell you about you. That you have choice, so make it intentional. Choose which side that you want to be on. Because that will affect every single other thing about you. And it will affect, more importantly, your eternity. The most beautiful thing in all of this, in a conversation about good and evil and God and evil, is that God already chose. He already chose not to judge you for it, but chose to save you from it. So make your decision of whether you will accept his choice or not. Next week, we're going to continue the conversation in which we're going to seek what happens next in God's story is he uses a, a group of people that he binds together, this weird kind of thing in which like, these are going to be my people. A lot of people have an issue with that and think that that's kind of God being favorite, playing favorites, being racist or xenophobic. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to continue this throughout the summer to understand why God does some of the seemingly weird things he does. As we wrap up this, we're going to have the music team coming up and they're going to lead us in a song of response. And this is an opportunity also for you if you want to, to make use of our prayer team. Down front here, just in the front of the stage, are going to be our high character, trustworthy individuals that are here to pray with you if you need prayer. If you need someone you can just be honest with about an evil that you're struggling with in your life. If you need to be honest with them about maybe a decision you do or do not know how to make about what it means to go from good or go to good and from evil. They're here so that you can trust in their confidentiality and they can pray over you, with you, and for you. We get this amazing opportunity every day to choose. We get this amazing opportunity to love and to be good. So go, go and be good. Let me pray with you guys. Father, we thank you that it is um, sometimes unfathomable and therefore confusing, it can be irritating that we don't understand why you do what you do. Um, that you would give us this choice and you would trust us with it. Um, so help us to, to, to not put it away. Help us not to diminish it. Help us not to... Uh, discredit the existence of good and evil um, but help us truly rest on it and talk about it and decide do we believe what you say and if we believe what you say what do we actually want um, God I, I pray that as, as we finish up here that we don't leave the space we don't leave the parking lot we don't leave the car without answering the question what do I want for me and what do I want for the rest of my life and after that? I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.